Welcome to Blue Line, the podcast hosted by Blue Line, Canada's only independent national magazine for law enforcement. You've tuned in to hear compelling conversations on hot topics and trends with law enforcement professionals and personalities from across Canada. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Blue Line, the podcast, a podcast created for and aimed at all members of law enforcement. I'm Brittany Schroeder, editor of Blue Line magazine. In today's episode, I'm joined by Dr. Jody Burnett, who is a registered doctoral psychologist with the Saskatchewan College of Psychologists and a high-performance consultant who has been providing service to the general public, specializing in service provision to first responders and public safety personnel for the past 15 years. Today, we're going to be speaking about Dr. Burnett's research on women in public safety and what mental health supports are out there for public safety personnel. Thanks for joining me today, Jody. Yes, well, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. And to give our listeners a bit of background, we first started talking about doing a potential podcast around the time of International Women's Day. And we wanted to recognize public safety personnel, or PSP, uh, women because of the traumatic, challenging experiences they face on a day-to-day basis that can be extremely damaging to their mental health. Jody, did you want to start off by telling our listeners a bit about your research and what got you started on this path? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's been a number of things, not just not just research, but I think in general, you know, I've, I've dedicated my career to really helping um, public safety personnel and their families over the years. Um, and it started funny enough in high performance. And I will say first responding roles or public safety roles are some of the most high performance jobs. You know, if you think of high performance, you typically think of high performance sports, right? You think of NHL players, et cetera. But, but truthfully, first responders and public safety personnel have the highest performance jobs and they really do need uh you know those extra bits of support to help them to maintain all of those things that help not only to keep you know their level of performance high but to keep them safe right <laughs> they want to come home to their families uh, at night as well right so um so yeah so for me i've been really blessed to be able to play at a number of different roles over the years in my career and help at supporting you know men and women um in these roles now, that being said, as you know, we've come to do a lot more work. I work um, uh, with SIPSER, the Canadian Institute for uh, Public Safety Research and Treatment, which is where CSPN is housed from. Um, but over the years, doing a lot of work with, with SIPSERT, many researchers from across Canada have started to notice that within public safety personnel, um, there's a number of things that we've noticed. And one is that the exposure Um, and the risk of exposure to potentially traumatic um, psychological events is high. And we also know that the um, prevalence of them seeking help and getting the help they need is on the lower side. And so those two things don't go well together, right? Makes us want to really be able to shine a light and try to see, you know, how can we get folks the services they need when they need them? Like you said, it's like, it's a sad truth. Um, that women and especially those who are uh, PSP, they're not getting the mental health support that they need. Um, And it can be difficult to find a solution uh, that works for not only their lifestyle, but their work environment. So just through your research and, uh, you know, your experience, what is available out there for our first responders across Canada? Yeah, well, there's lots. I mean, to, to touch on, you know, females in public safety roles, I mean, I think nothing against the guys, but there's multiple roles. I mean, there's lots of research out there about the, about the multiple roles women play, yeah. right? And so, 
Um, it just adds another complexity to the responsibility shouldered by women in these positions, right? Now, when it comes to, you know, what types of supports are available for public safety personnel, you know, in general, of course, every organization typically has kind of their in-house supports, right? So whether it's through their employee a family assistance program, they might have some peer-to-peer -peer, um, support within their organization, um, you know, those kinds of things, access to counseling, that, that kind of thing. Um, but one of the things that we know is that there's still a lot of stigma that exists in reaching out for support. And, and that's troubling because for many people, and I find again, particularly in public safety personnel roles, this is more than a job. This is part of who they are. And for someone to be deemed incompetent by their peers or by their work, you know, their workplace, mm -hmm. that they can't handle it, they can't hack it. And, you know, there is some of that old school mentality out there. It's kind of like, you know, you know what you signed up for. So suck it up, buttercup. You know, you gotta, you gotta just deal with it or not. Right. That's scary to people because it makes them shrink back from, from getting the support that they absolutely need and deserve. Because at the end of the day, whether you go into any public safety role, you're still human. Mm -hmm. And I think we forget that, you know, you're still a human. And for all of us, you know, the things that we understand that, that they are exposed to are, are not normal. And our brain has a hard time keeping up how they're going to compute that. So for, you know, but, but we do know that stigma is an issue for that very fact that it's scary to step out, right? Because we were just talking earlier about your own knee injury, right? For you, if you have a knee injury, if you walk outside today, someone's going to say, hey, you know, what happened? When you, what What's going on? Are you okay? Not a big whoop. But if I go to, let's say, you know, uh, I go to a call as a first responder or as public safety personnel, and I, you know, am impacted by that call, and I'm having trouble, you can't see it. Yeah. You really don't know much about it, right? It's that invisible injury. And that makes it very scary to step out because some people understand it, but some people don't. So there's still a lot of ignorance around things with that. Yeah. So true. And in your own personal or professional opinion I I was just wondering like there are so many people who are talking about mental health now and like trying to break down that stigma but like you said like that stigma still exists just wondering like your opinion on why it might still be such a, a thing right now I think we're doing better I will I want to be the ray of hope because <laughs> I've been I've been doing this for about actually 21 years and in in my career I've seen great change so if I think back to 20 years ago, in many, in, you know, sectors, it was still the informal debriefings, you know, going for beers after work or after a crappy call and, you know, the informal debriefing that way. And it, there wasn't a lot of help. There wasn't a lot of supports in place. And I think now as we are injecting a new generation into these sectors, um, you know, younger generations are more up to talking about this stuff. Um, there's been a shift in that culture, right? Where... Um, you know, previous generations, it's just kind of keep it under your hat. You don't talk about it, just stuff it down, you know, you grind it out. Whereas I think the newer generation now is talking about it, right? Yeah. And even through, you know, things like social media, et cetera, there's more dialogue. So there's more of a light being shone on these issues. And I think organizations have had to respond. There's been no, you know, and not, not, not out of, you know, have to, but recognizing the importance of saying, holy smokes, like, we do have to get behind our our members and our staff 
and get them these supports. Just, you know, sometimes, like I said, ignorance isn't an intentional thing sometimes. It's just not knowing. So if you don't know better, you can't do better. So I think organizations now are really getting on board and recognizing uh, the need, not only to have them in-house, but I'm involved in a lot of different training opportunities um, that hits them when they're getting their training. So in police college, for example, or do you know what I mean? At, at, at the training facilities. So it's really important that we find ways to be more proactive. And I think people are starting to get on board. Now, that said, <laughs> yeah, it's is stigma still a thing? Of course it is. Absolutely it is. But I do think we are. I just, I don't want it to be doom and gloom because I do think we are starting. Even the work you're doing here, this is shine. But truthfully, right, this is working to shine a light. It's creating awareness. And the more people talk about it, it's not that thing now that we have to, you know, sh you know, hide away. away. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly right. So I think it's getting better. But I do think there's a lot of vulnerability in someone stepping out and saying, I don't know if I'm okay. That's scary. And I think there's just a lot of unknowns. What does that mean? Does that mean I can't work anymore? Does it mean um, I can't hack this, that I'm not enough? Like our thoughts can be really powerful, yeah. you know, in, in, you know, telling us things that aren't necessarily true, but really keep us then isolated. So that's why I say like, the more that we talk about this, it helps people who are being quiet and unsure be like, oh, okay, well, maybe, maybe I can talk to someone. Maybe there is someone safe to go and confide these things to. Completely. I, I'm fully a believer of, you know, if you have something to share it and, you know, those who maybe aren't comfortable sharing it, they will see others start to do it and maybe they will become more comfortable sharing it themselves. In some ways you, you, you guys are being champions, right? Because as you share this information or you have people on who have, have had an experience, sometimes that's all it takes. Is one person to hear that and say, that sounds like me. You know, I've gone through that because, and we see this through, you know, uh, my, with my work at PSP, not even people will, you know, will say as they go through the, the program, wow, like I'm not alone. I read some of the stories that are included in the course and that, that was me. I saw myself there, you know? And so that's, that's the beauty of all of this work that we're doing. This isn't, you know, a, a one-shot deal. People work through their stuff in different ways. Yeah. And I think that's the cool thing about PSPNet is we've just offered one other way that they could potentially get some, some tools and strategies to help them. Now, speaking of PSPNet, I've heard a lot about this just by the way of what I do, but yeah. for our listeners who haven't, do you want to explain a little bit about it and what, yeah. what, what, what you do? Yes, of course. So PSPNet is what we call an internet-delivered cognitive behavior therapy program. Now, I don't want everyone to shut their computers off. <laughs> if I say cognitive behavior therapy, you're like, oh, no, you're not psychologize <laughs> me. It's not at all. If you think about it, Cognitive behavior therapy, all it is, is helping to give us some tools and strategies to really help our thought life because yeah. our thoughts truly drive the bus. And if we have unhelpful negative thoughts, we typically feel quite negative and we typically behave quite negatively, right? And so for many people dealing with symptoms of say depression or anxiety or post-traumatic stress or anger or panic, our thoughts are very much involved. Mm -hmm. with how we experience those symptoms and how we have the potential to manage them. So don't get thrown off by the cognitive behavior stuff. All it is is just giving you ways to help you 
support, you know, your thought life, so to speak, right? Because it, it is connected to how we feel and how we behave. So we provide this online and, and really cognitive behavior therapy is used. If you want to see a counselor face-to-face, -face, this is kind of the gold standard. So it's really, really effective at managing all different kinds of symptoms, just like the ones I just mentioned. But I find particularly for, for PSP, it's very practical. And you'll know that PSP typically, and I'm not trying to stereotype here, but I haven't met very many over the years that like too much fluffy stuff. You know, they don't. <laughs> so, and sometimes they have the misconception that, you know, getting counseling or getting mental health support, um, you know, ha makes you have to lay on a couch and someone's going to sit behind you and make, you know, it's not that. It's not that. But you have to debunk some of these myths, right? So really, the program itself is developed to really identify and, and meet the unique needs of public safety personnel and give them these strategies where? Well, through the internet. And the reason we've done that is because we know there's a number of barriers that exist when PSP try, and this is not me just saying it, there's research to support this, yeah. but when people are trying to reach out from these different types of occupations, they're finding it challenging. Why? Well, think about the job, right? Logistics. Shift work is terrible to yeah. try to get yeah. away because even if you're on days off, two of those days are catching up on sleep usually, right? And then you've got a list as long as your arm of responsibilities at home that you've got to do. So getting to appointments on a regular basis is hard for people. So that's one, right? Financial barrier. Depending on what sector you're in, you may or may not have adequate mental health supports from your employer, right? I know paramedics are bad for this, right? But in many instances, I well, no, but I just find that those groups typically don't necessarily always have, in some instances, you know, um, access to any kind of support to, to go and see a counselor, et cetera. So, you know, yeah. So funding can be an issue. Cost can be an issue. Um, with geographic uh, barriers. We know that many people are stationed at all parts of different, you know, locations, rural, remote parts of the province or provinces or a territory that you live in. And so we know that that can be a barrier, right? Because um, access to those services, you have to drive maybe three, four hours to see a yeah. counselor and then drive three, four hours home. That's not sustainable. So we created this to really, really improve access, right? If you have a device and an internet connection, you can access a high quality mental health support system. That's fantastic. Yeah. And little did we know when we were launching in January 2020, that within two months, we'd all be in lockdown. I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> during COVID, yeah. <laughs> so we didn't know how, you know, uh, um, advantageous this would be but really I mean it, it's funny how in the last you know three years this has really become the way like it's it's a kind of a preferred way and I know many colleagues in private practice etc who have shifted and pivoted to a virtual platform because most people appreciated that why they don't have to drive they don't have to park they don't have to be seen coming into your office beautiful Right. And so very much this is in line. So we offer an internet delivered therapy program that folks can log into. It's in a course content. So basically um, it's got five lessons over the course of eight weeks or so. And I say or so because we give you <laughs> I say that because we give extra time um, as we were building the, the program when I came on in 2019. Uh, one of the things uh, myself and my colleague did was we did a lot of interviews with public safety personnel from uh, our two pilot sites were Saskatchewan and Quebec. That's where we originally started. 
and um, we went and did these interviews across the provinces with all different rankings, sworn members, civilian members, you name it, all different sectors. And we asked a lot of questions. Why? Because we wanted the program to really be representative of their needs. And you can't do that. I mean, yes, do I work with a PSP? Yeah, but I'm not one. So I didn't, you know, I you re we really want to know that this is, you know, that their needs are met. So we did these interviews and we asked a lot of questions about how do you want to talk to your therapist each week? What kind of, you know, content do you want? Um, you know, how many, how length of time to get through the course content, all that stuff. And they said, yeah, eight weeks is great, but we need more time because our jobs are not linear. Yes, of course they're not, right? So we give up to 16 weeks and that's just something that we, you know, we came up with in conjunction with other PSP who helped inform the program, which is fantastic. So right. it's offered over eight weeks. You get more time if you need more time. But it's got lots of really great stuff. And basically, it builds on those cognitive behavior therapy skills each lesson. So it, and we can get, if you want more detail, I can give you more detail. Basically, it, you know, you build on these skills each week. And the goal is, is that you'll have these at the end, have more confidence in managing your symptoms. That's amazing. And just the fact that, like you said, because it's online, it's giving everyone access to it. So yeah. I just think, like right there. And like you, I was going to say, like with COVID, kind of everything's shifted online as mm -hmm. it is, or like a hybrid model. So I'm so glad that, I mean, you guys didn't know it was coming, but I'm glad you <laughs> launched with an online version so that you could work throughout the pandemic. And I'm sure like public safety personnel really like needed the mental health support like we all did throughout the pandemic mm -hmm. because of how unprecedented it all was. Oh yeah. I mean, the pressures put on, on PSP during COVID, I mean, just unimaginable, right? I mean, this was an invisible enemy. They didn't know, they didn't know their opponent. So they didn't know what they were going up against. And so they were going out before we knew anything about COVID. They were all still showing up for work. They were all still going to calls. Um, I just can't, I just, I, I can't imagine that as we're all, you know, protected and safe in our homes. I remember at that time, um, you know, many of the participants who were going through PSPNet were sleeping in trailers or were sleeping in their trucks because they didn't want to infect their families because they didn't know, right? So just that I think there's so much that PSP do that <laughs> we just don't even recognize. Like, um, so I just yeah, the debt of gratitude to them, but but nice that we were able to at least offer this this type of platform and another pathway of mental health service that they um, were, and now we're still able to access, right? So of course that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, Jody, thank you so much for telling me all of this and to our listeners as well, uh, for, for just speaking on this topic before we wrap up, I just wanted to, to know, is there anything, anything else that we didn't touch on that you think is important for our listeners to hear? Gosh, we could keep talking for a while, but yes. <laughs> yeah, I think the one thing I do want to highlight is that Many people mistake us as, as, you know, only as a therapy program. And I would say it's very preventative. So I really encourage everyone to consider checking uh, us out at, at www.pspnet.ca. There's a plug. Uh, but I, I encourage you to, <laughs> I encourage you to check us out because, um, you know, one of the things that I've seen over the years, particularly in PSP, is that they stuff things down and stuff things down and try to grind it out until the wheels fall off, right? And so, and that's wonderful. We will support people who are, you know, have more severe symptoms, et cetera. 
but we also see many, many, many people who are mild or almost no symptoms. And the reason is, is because we want to equip them early. If you can give people the tools, even if they don't need them right now, so that when those storms of life hit, whether it's related to work, whether it's related to stuff going on at home, et cetera, they have them at the ready. And that keeps them from getting to the red zone. So yeah. I can't I can't emphasize enough how important prevention is as well, as also, you know, as well as getting, you know, support for symptoms that you might be actively having, right? But both are equally important and we can help with both of those, which is fantastic. That is fantastic. And Jody, I just want to say thank you again. Um, like we've mentioned, sometimes it's not talked about enough. It's it's getting better, but uh, I'm glad that we were able to help share this information and hopefully this has helped some of our listeners as well if, if they needed it. Um, for everyone who well, I hope so too. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, for everyone who tuned in, uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Blue Line, the podcast. You can check us out on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever else you get your podcasts. You can also stay up to date on all of your Canadian policing news at blueline.ca. Until next time, stay safe and be well. And thank you, Jody. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thank you for joining Blue Line, the podcast hosted by Blue Line, Canada's only independent national magazine for law enforcement. 